Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Kane University, where cougars climb higher. The Turrell Fund, supporting reimagined childcare. IBEW Local 102, lighting the path, leading the way. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, here when you need us most, now and always. RWJ Barnabas Health. Veolia, resourcing the world. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. New Jersey Sharing Network, and by New Brunswick Development Corporation. Promotional support provided by NJ.com, keeping communities informed and connected. And by ROINJ. Informing and connecting businesses in New Jersey. I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a special edition of Think Tank right here on News 12 Plus. It's our honor to introduce Dr. Joseph Youngblood, Senior Vice President of External Affairs, Kane University. Good to see you, doctor. Thank you, Steve. A pleasure to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, listen, this kicks off uh, our series we're doing in cooperation with Kane University. Dr. Lamont Repolet, your president, we've created a series called Urban Matters, and we kick it off with an interview that people are about to see with United States Senator Robert Menendez. Why do urban matters matter so much? Please. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we're really excited about this, and uh, Kane University and our president are very excited to be the lead underwriter of this new uh, Urban Matters miniseries because we think it's going to address uh, the critical issues that are impacting uh, urban New Jersey. So those matters become extraordinarily important as we look to really finding ways to revitalize these vibrant urban communities uh, and to really kind of spawn and create the urban renaissance in New Jersey. That's right. And Kane University also has the John S. Watson Institute for Urban Policy and Research. And Kane has been designated, the university been, has been designated with what as it relates to, quote, urban research? That's uh, really exciting, uh, Steve. We're the first and only urban research university uh, here in New Jersey, and that designation is extraordinarily important to us because it allows Kane to be a much more vigorous partner in the search for the solutions to the issues that we know are impacting uh, our state's urban centers. So everything from looking at social policy, civic, uh, economic development, um, you know, looking at uh, social justice-related issues, environmental justice. And environmental justice, absolutely, uh, as one of the critical areas that the John S. Watson Institute has been dealing with for over 30 years. So we think this is a huge opportunity to uh, elevate the focus on these issues, to elevate uh, and highlight best practices that are happening uh, in these urban centers, but to also be a part of the solution uh, and to use our research capabilities as a research university uh, to support that in every region of the state. Dr. Youngblood, so well said, and we're honored and proud to be colleagues and partners with Kane University, with the John S. Watson Institute uh, that focuses so much on urban issues. And we kick off, uh, as Dr. Youngblood said, talking about urban issues and other issues as well, with the senior United States Senator in the great state of New Jersey, Think Tank, with 
Senator Robert Menendez. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato, and it is our honor for this entire program to be joined by United States Senator, the senior United States Senator in the great state of New Jersey, Robert Menendez, is also the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in the United States Senate. Good to see you, Senator. Good to be with you, Steve. I'm glad that we're gotten together once again. Absolutely. Listen, we are taping um, as we begin going to May 2022. This will be seen a little bit after. So it's risky to even have this conversation. But if people want to watch the news, it's NJ Spotlight News. It's Metro Focus. They'll tell you what's going on every day, particularly in the world of public, on the public broadcasting side. Bigger picture, though, long term, we don't know about Ukraine, how things are going to play out. But you've been very clear in public about the role you believe the United States has, not just in supporting Ukraine, but also dealing with Ukrainian refugees. Please share, Senator. Well, uh, Ukraine uh, is far bigger uh, than just the question of Ukraine, although in the first instance, of course, its independence, its freedom uh, is essential. And we have a large Ukrainian diaspora in New Jersey. But the reason I tell average New Jerseyans and Americans why Ukraine is important is because we cannot have another Munich moment. In 1938, Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister of Great Britain, said to Hitler, we'll give you Czechoslovakia, and he thought that would be the end of it. Well, we know history is different. Uh, and so we've seen with Putin. In 2008, he invaded the country of Georgia. In 2014, he took Crimea. The West did not respond in any assertive way. It gave him a slap on the wrist, and that was it. And he said, well, I can continue to do this. And now we have Ukraine. So we cannot afford for this march to go on as he tries to recreate what was the Soviet Union. We have commitments under our NATO treaty to defend NATO allies that are right along Russia's border, Poland, uh, Lithuania, and other Estonia and other countries. So we must stop them there and help Ukraine preserve their freedom. At the same time, we must send a message to the rest of the world that as we're urging them uh, to be good neighbors to Ukrainian refugees, that we also will accept Ukrainian refugees. And I, I admire the president answering my call to do that, not only on a temporary protective status, but also opening up our refugee program to be able to take a significant number of Ukrainians. I'm going to come back to the issue of immigration in Title 42 in just a couple of moments. But I want to ask you this about Putin. And again, um, our programming is not about what's happening today. We cannot predict the future. But that being said, Putting things in perspective, Senator Menendez, in your uh, lofty perch as the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and also, frankly, dealing with these issues for years, what could and should not just President Trump, but President Obama have done? What could and should they have done potentially to potentially have avoided where we are today? Or do you believe Putin is Putin, is going to do what he wants to do, and it doesn't matter what a U.S. president does or doesn't do? Well, look, uh, Putin is KGB, he's a thug, and he only understands strength. But in both cases of your question, when Obama was president, had we severely sanctioned and brought the international community together as President Biden has now, when uh, Putin invaded Crimea, uh, things, I think, would be different, because there'd be a different calibration of the consequences to Russia. But we did not. And then, when President Trump actually held up uh, Zelensky, didn't provide him with the armament he was seeking, insisted 
that he give him a favor, as he said it famously, which was to try to find dirt on President Biden's son in return for getting the type of assistance and the White House meeting he needed to show Russia that the United States was behind Ukraine. Uh, he ultimately send Russia the wrong message. So in both cases, there was uh, there were bad signals. And I think we'd be in a different place today. Having said that, I do admire President Biden for bringing an international coalition together in the shortest period of time I've ever seen in 30 years of doing foreign policy, in keeping it together, in deepening the sanctions, in tightening the noose around Putin's neck, creating consequences because of Putin's actions to the Russian people that ultimately, I hope, will change the course of events in Ukraine. Some have argued that President Biden should be more assertive, more aggressive, more engaged, and frankly, tougher. The question becomes, it's not whether, I don't know, and, and I don't even know if you have an opinion on this, but it's more a question of how tough can we be before we risk engaging Russia and Putin more directly and risk something much worse, a war, and a war with unfathomable consequences? Senator? Well, Steve, this, your question is a great question, and it's the question of the moment. Uh, first of all, for those who say that uh, President Biden isn't tough enough, well, it's under President Biden that over $3 billion of lethal defensive equipment has gone to Ukraine. That didn't exist before, certainly not in those capacities. Secondly, it is President Biden that brought an international coalition that ended the Nord Stream pipeline that Russia so desperately wanted, uh, that brought international sanctions against Russian banks, the Russian foreign currency, against the Central Bank of Russia, against many of the oligarchs. Um, and so those are all tough. At the end of the day, uh, the question becomes, uh, for those who advocate that we intervene militarily in Ukraine, that means uh, very clearly a war with Russia. And I do not think that at this point in time, the American people, after 20 years of wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, are ready to go into a war where we have not had direct aggression against us. So I think the president is doing everything that one can do without sending America's sons and daughters into Ukraine. I'm going to talk about a whole range of urban issues because we're doing a series called Urban Matters in cooperation with some of uh, the folks at Kane University. But real quick, you mentioned Afghanistan. Could I get a minute or less on the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Uh, do you acknowledge, do you agree that the withdrawal was poorly planned and poorly executed? I think that the withdrawal was in the making when President Trump dramatically drew down our forces when he gave the Taliban 5,000 prisoners that were in the Afghan government's uh, jails, he released 5,000 prisoners, and he told the Taliban a date certain upon which the United States would leave. That's what President Biden inherited. So understanding that, I think the decision that the president made was right. I think the execution was poor. And I have said that at hearings at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. But it was in the works based upon what President Trump created. So, as I said, we're doing this series on urban matters. You're, you're a product of an urban community, Union City. You come out of that city as I come out of Newark and a whole range of people watching who either come from a city, living in a city, care about urban issues. As it relates to urban issues, Senator, what would you say the top two or three issues are that you and your colleagues are dealing with um, in the Senate as it relates to our, the cities of America? Please, Senator. 
Well, uh, some of these go to the heart of living in urban centers, but they also are more significant. One of the questions is, how do we make life less costly, right? Because for urban centers, most of the time, you'll see that the economies of individuals in those centers are less than the states as a whole. And so how do we, you know, make childcare more affordable when $13,000 is the cost of childcare for a family of median income of 85,000 in New Jersey? Well, that's, uh, that's not tolerable. And it doesn't allow one of the spouses to ultimately go ahead and go into the workforce as they desire to do so or return to the workforce after COVID. We have to make childcare more affordable. We have to make energy costs more affordable. We have to be able to preserve the dream of home ownership, which is the single biggest asset that most New Jersey and American families will have to build upon wealth and create intergenerational possibilities. Uh, and that's what I do as a member of the Senate Banking and Housing Committee. I'm focused on that, on the Finance Committee. I'm focused on child care costs and then also health care costs. Uh, you know, we made great steps forward under the Affordable Care Act, but we have yet to really achieve all of the elements, both on coverage as well as in affordability. And those are three big tranches of things that I think are critical uh, for moving forward and having a better quality of life in our urban centers, but beyond as well. You are watching and listening to United States Senator Robert Menendez, the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He has other responsibilities in terms of the committees of the Senate as well. He's the senior senator um, in New Jersey, United States Senator. We will have his colleague, uh, United States Senator Cory Booker, on in the future. But, Senator, I want to go back to uh, the topic of child care. We're also engaged in a public awareness initiative around child care issues. It's called Reimagine Child Care. Um, we're not advocating for, but we are talking about the need for quality, affordable, accessible child care. You have been directly involved in this issue as a United States Senator. Please talk about it. Well, one of the things we want to do is legislation around sponsoring uh, that would make sure that child care for working families, it's called, that no one would pay uh, more uh, than 7% of their income if they're at medium uh, income, which in New Jersey is about $85,000. Um, you know, uh, the reality is uh, that that makes childcare far more affordable. We have to look at some of the tax incentives to help uh, middle class and working families with childcare costs. And we had an enormous number uh, of childcare centers close during the pandemic. I, I visited one in Newark that is still open, but dramatically downsized from where it was. High quality childcare. Now we're talking about not just taking keeping your child minded, but educating your child at the same time. And so those are all elements that we're working on uh, to have high quality uh, child care that is affordable, uh, that gives parents the wherewithal to make uh, life decisions uh, about work and other things, and that prepares a child at the most important stages of their life for future growth. United States Senator Robert Menendez, if you're listening on the radio side, you hear what he's saying. We appreciate uh, everyone joining us. You'll see information about the senator's, uh, his senator's contact information, his Twitter account, et cetera, et cetera. Senator, stay right with us. We're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the future of our democracy. January 6th, bipartisanship or the lack thereof in the nation's capital. Steve Adubato, way more importantly, the senior senator uh, in New Jersey, United States Senior Senator Robert Menendez. We'll be right back. 
To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Welcome back, everyone. We're uh, joined by United States Senator Robert Menendez. Senator, I want to get into uh, a series we're doing. I keep saying different series, but we try to track things in different areas. And this has been, a, I don't know, 10 years we've been doing democracy at a crossroads. Is it beyond at a crossroads, particularly when we look back on January 6th and beyond that to the point where it's just hanging on by a thread? I don't want to be overly dramatic. It's not my job to do commentary here. Um, how's our democracy doing, particularly after January 6th? Well, uh, Steve, on January 6th, uh, we faced an insurrection that brought us this close to uh, facing what in our country uh, we've never experienced and what we decry in other countries in the world. Uh, and it is only because of the actions of some individuals, Vice President Pence, uh, whom one must applaud for not succumbing to President Trump's overtures uh, and upholding his role under the Constitution, and the judiciary, even those appointed by President Trump who acted in accordance with the law and upheld the process so that the counting could continue, so that the votes of Americans could ultimately count as they cast them. Uh, but I must be honest with you, after 45 years of serving in public life, I've always thought that the strength of our institution and our democracy was unshakable. And on that day, not just because of the insurrection, but what ripple effect in terms of what it meant with the electoral count, uh, I, I saw a fractures in it. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I've been doing is working to think about and offering legislation. How do we institutionally make sure that regardless of who's in office and what election takes place, that our democracy is preserved and not subject to the winds of one individual who wants to undermine it. Uh, and in terms of the, the workings of, uh, particularly of the Senate, I, look, I, I counted as 60 when I was in grade school. I understand that that's the vote you need to get things done in the Senate. And I'm proud to have passed so many pieces of legislation into law, working with Republican colleagues. Uh, you know, it's not always the way I want it exactly. It's not always the way they want it, but it's good enough to move forward. And many of those successes are significant, like Autism Cares for New Jersey, which is the highest rate of autism, legislation in terms of foreign policy, uh, legislation uh, to incentivize uh, the biotech industry in our state, all that have become law are important, but they don't get the ink that conflict right. offers. You know, but but Senator, I want to go back to something. You know, I don't know what the latest numbers are, but let's just say a disproportionate 60, 70, maybe 80 percent of those who are polled who happen to call themselves, quote, Republicans, believe that the 2020 election was stolen, that Joe Biden is not the legally elected president of the United States. And so when we talk about democracy at a crossroads, that that's I don't. People say, well, the things like that have happened before. There was the election of 2000. There were, yeah, there were a lot of elections, but has there ever been a time from your experience, and when you talk about being involved 40 plus years ago, 45 years ago, I believe you ran for the school board at a very young age. 
um, and got very involved in, in politics in, in Union City and understand what rough and tumble really means in New Jersey in politics. We'll go there another day. But Senator, have you ever had a time with a vast, vast majority of those in the party that is not elected believe that the person elected is not the president, is not the legally elected president? A, have you ever seen that? And B, what the heck does that mean moving forward? No, Steve. Uh, look, uh, I, I've uh, seen uh, people be disappointed in that yes. their person wasn't uh, elected. Al but Gore they was disappointed in 2000. Yeah, uh, but they have always believed that the result of the election uh, was valid, uh, that it was legitimate. And that belief uh, is critical, regardless of who is the victor at the end of the day. That belief is critical to our democracy. And so, you know, it, it is amazing. You know, we, we learn from history that if you repeat a lie often enough, uh, people will begin to believe it. And that's why programming like yours, uh, and I don't say that because we're on together, but really programs like yours that's insightful, you ask those questions, you get answers, uh, is important because when we look in the social media spheres, uh, we ultimately see the amount of disinformation and misinformation that is generated that creates, uh, you know, a real challenge for people. So, you know, a, 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 a literate uh, democracy in terms of uh, wading through the social media. People tell me, I, I, I saw it on the internet. Okay, well, what source <laughs> did you see it on the internet? Like, just because it's on the internet, you know, it doesn't mean that it's true. So, or, or excuse uh, me, is, Senator, Senator, excuse me, or I watch, excuse me, sorry for interrupting, or I watched it on a network or on a platform that I watch all the time. Okay, so you watch something that reinforces what you already believe. Oh, I don't watch those other stations because that's fake news. And that goes for all kinds of people. My question is this. Trust me, I'm off my soapbox. If you just watch, listen, and engage with media and information that tells you what you believe is right, yeah. I'm trying to be positive here, but we in public I'm, broadcasting, we have our audience. We don't have a horse in the race. But if people are just watching what they watch to tell them the right, what the heck do we do with that? Yeah, this is when we watch only that which we uh, want to believe in, not even maybe that we, we want to believe in, <laughs> and do not critically judge uh, what is the truth, uh, then we ultimately create a cast upon which it's impossible to move from. Listen, I long for the days of Walter Cronkite where he'd look into the screen and says, hear now the news, and then you'd make the judgment about what the news was, what it meant and whatnot, versus being told what it's supposed to mean. But unfortunately, uh, that's where we're at. And it takes, a, you know, an engaged and a literate electorate, not a literate electorate in the context of being able to read it, right? And that's not what I'm talking about. Literate in terms of the sophistication of testing different sources to ultimately come to what's the truth. And to that end, an issue that's been covered tremendously in the media, people have all different opinions on it. Again, getting accurate information is important. Sex education. Again, the state of New Jersey is looking at it, states across the nation, Governor Murphy, and you're not involved in state politics and state policy, if you will, or state government, I should say. But the governor said, listen, let's re-examine what the Department of Education's policy is. What do you believe? I know this is a huge issue, Senator, but do you believe that we need to re-examine what, quote, sex education should be and needs to be 
particularly in younger grades in public schools? Well, look, I, I think that uh, we have had public schools be the vehicle for education of all sort, family living. Uh, some people call sex education the family living component of that, making sure that we don't have unwanted pregnancies at the end of the day. That's part of sex education. Uh, making sure that we don't have transmittable diseases. Uh, that's part of sex education. So in, in my view, of course, I've always believed that parents have the first and foremost responsibility and should be uh, the ultimate educators in their home. But we cannot believe that in our society, all parents uh, either do that, have the wherewithal to do it, feel comfortable in doing it. And so if we want to make sure we don't have unwanted pregnancies, if we don't want to have transmissible diseases, if we want to have an understanding of what you know the elements of uh, ultimately family life is, uh, then I see nothing wrong with the public schools engaging in that. It has for so long. My kids went through that, and I don't think they turned out so bad. I, I, Senator, I, I, I'll get off this, and I want to ask you about uh, the Supreme Court and our newest associate justice of the Supreme Court, and you've been very clear on that. But real quick on this, I don't think anyone would debate or argue anything you just said about those areas of health, sex-related education. But real quick, for those parents, and everyone hears what Governor DeSantis is saying in Florida, but bring it back to New Jersey, if you will. You know what? I don't want my fifth grader hearing about, knowing about, or discussing anything about outside of a mother and a father and a child or children, that's what a family is. And all this stuff about uh, who, out, who falls outside of that and trans-related issues, that's not appropriate. Kids getting to People believe that that's what's going on in the schools, that kids get to decide whether they're a boy or a girl or something different. I don't really know what it is, and it's not. But that's controversial and confusing to a lot of people, Senator. Well, surely, but I, I don't believe that's what public schools are teaching uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, listen, uh, I'm sure that at one time, uh, teaching that the racists could stand side by side was controversial. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we like to live in a society where we accept all. Uh, and regardless of how they define themselves as a fellow American, uh, whether by nationality, race, uh, you know, sexual uh, preference or whatever. And so that should be our goal uh, at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, I, I do think parents have the, uh, you know, the, the primary responsibility, but public schools play an important role. Final question. Um, we have a new associate justice of the Supreme Court, uh, Judge Katanji Brown. Jackson confirmed by the, uh, by the U.S. Senate. The significance of that, a minute or less, please, Senator. First of all, a woman of enormous intellect, uh, probably the most qualified present member of the Supreme Court other than Sonia Sotomayor, who also served at all the different levels. This judge, unlike the rest of her colleagues, served at uh, as a public defender, served at the circuit court uh, of the federal district, served at the, uh, the, uh, uh, the district court, which is the local court, then the circuit court, which are like our appellate in the federal district, and then now in the Supreme Court. She's eminently qualified uh, and also historic because we have never had an African-American woman on the court. And now a majority of the court uh, is a female majority. That speaks volumes of where we've come in our country and on the Supreme Court. Senator, I have 30 seconds left, 45 years in public life. How many years in the United States Senate? Uh, wow. It's been, uh, <laughs> you have to do the math. <laughs> but you were in the House before that. 
Yeah, it's, it's been about 16 years. And also before that, a state senator in the great state of New Jersey. You still love before what you do? I senator do. I, I, and before that, 14 years in the House. Uh, That's right. I, I will say this. Uh, I have a, a, I do love what I do. It, what my pay uh, is, is to change the course of events for the better, both at home uh, and abroad. And the day that I don't think I can change the course of events and better at home and abroad, and I walk out late at night from my office, I see the Capitol lit up. I understand what it means to people in our country and across the globe. The day I don't get the chill that I still get is the day it's time to go. Yeah, well said. United States Senator Robert Menendez, um, the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, our senior United States Senator, I want to thank you uh, so much. We wish you and your family all the best. Thank you, Senator. Same to you, Steve. Thank you. I'm Steve Adubato. That is United States Senator Robert Menendez. Thanks for watching. See you next time. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Kane University, the Terrell Fund, supporting reimagined childcare. IBEW Local 102, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, RWJ Barnabas Health, Veolia, NJM Insurance Group, New Jersey Sharing Network, New Brunswick Development Corporation, and by these public-spirited organizations, individuals, and associations committed to informing New Jersey citizens about the important issues facing the Garden State, and by Employers Association of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by NJ.com and by ROINJ.